Many hospitals are very critical uh, oxygen supplies, and most of them are also overwhelmed with with number of sick person because of the COVID. But we have to dealing also with other diseases during the pandemic situation. So, so it will be challenging for us, for everybody, I think, uh, but specifically in Indonesia. Hello, I'm Robin Davies from the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security, and I'm joined by Dr. Stephanie Williams, Australia's Ambassador for Regional Health Security. Today, we're talking with Eka Wulan Chavasari from Red Cross Indonesia about how they're supporting the response to the current COVID emergency, drawing on a strong foundation of community networks and preparedness. What are some of the activities the Indonesian Red Cross is currently undertaking in response to the latest surge in cases? And can you give us a sense of the general mood of the population where you are, at least at the moment? Yeah, thank you, Doctor. Yeah, well, actually, as you also monitor from the media, the huge number of the cases are also increased in Indonesia. Many hospitals are very critical uh, oxygen supplies, and they are most of them are also overwhelmed with with number of sick person because of the COVID. But we have to dealing also with other diseases during the pandemic situation. So, so it will be challenging for us, for everybody, I think. Uh, but specific, specifically in Indonesia, because numbers of the population in terms of the diversity of the geographical area, access to uh, health facilities and everything. So that's, that's another challenge that we, we have to deal with also. Can you tell us a bit more about the specific activities of the Red Cross at the moment in Indonesia in the COVID surge? For actually, it's, it's already started before the pandemic itself. It's coming from coming last beginning of last year in in Indonesia up to now we still working and running some activities for like a health promotion all our volunteers can do that even though even also our volunteers at the community level and we do some health services not only in the health facilities that we have in the hospital and also in the clinics but also in some health post or health center in the bordering area or something. We also teach the community, uh, we strengthen our uh, community response uh, for COVID. So we give them some training or life skill to support themselves within the community. So actually the, the structure already exists. We call it Gugus Tugas for COVID. So it's like a technical working group at the community level. So for us, it means that uh, for the whole the country, of course, maybe in some places there is some weakness or some strength. So we are playing this role to, to, to fill in the gap to ensure that this existing structure should, should be run at the community. Every country is seeing some level of vaccine hesitancy in the population. In some countries, that is reducing because people are particularly concerned about the Delta virus. What's, yes. What level of hesitancy are you seeing in Indonesia and what sort, of, what, what sort of work is the Red Cross doing to counter that? 
for vaccine hesitancy, it's actually it's not only happen for COVID vaccine. It's it's already happened before for any types of uh, vaccine or any type of vaccination preventable diseases. So we actually working as uh, with uh, risk communication and community engagement technical working group. So we manage this kind of issues or hoax or any types of vaccine uh, hesitancy. So we try to address the groups. We use the local capacity from the religious leaders or the figures that have very good influence for other communities. So um, we're more than a year into, into this pandemic, but, but your work on pandemic preparedness and response um, started much, much earlier than that. Um, could you tell us a, a bit about um, the project that you've been working on? Um, why it was established and what sort of outcomes you've been able to achieve um, so far? Community uh, Pandemic Preparedness Program actually is not this, the first time that we are running pandemic preparedness. It's already started since 1919, but many types of the community-based programmings, including the pandemic preparedness. So with this project, with these programs and projects, we have increasing our capacity in terms of the organizational preparedness. So it means that uh, this community or pandemic preparedness is not only belongs to the health person, but also it's it's everybody business. For the natural disaster, everybody knows or or everybody already knows what what they have to do, with the support by the Australian government on also the Australian Red Cross, we extend our community preparedness in more villages and more uh, populations for uh, like, for example, uh, we now have uh, a guidelines for the epidemic control for volunteers. We do also strengthening the community-based uh, surveillance systems because we have our government already have an existing surveillance like for public health center or animal health center and also the wildlife. So the community will have more uh, capacity to, to really early detect, uh, detect unusual event, whatever the, the, the case in the field. And they doing many exercises before, before the pandemic is, it's happened. I was just going to ask, which parts of Indonesia are you mainly working in? And is there a particular focus on the risk of avian influenza um, or is it broader than that? Actually, in Indonesia, we have more than 10 uh, diseases, type of the disease, potentially outbreaks. So it's not only talking about pandemic influenza, but also, yes, almost all of them, they have pandemic influenza as a priority disease, but they also have to deal with like a dengue, uh, with leptospirosis, with anthrax, uh, malaria, uh, and measles. So they already have an exercise dealing with this type of the disease before COVID-19. Uh, I mean, the real pandemic, it's happened. You've given such great examples of some of the many benefits of the Red Cross's long-standing involvement with communities in pandemic preparedness. And so I was wondering if you could expand a bit on when COVID hit last year and even up to today, were there specific benefits you saw in some of those communities where you had been working for such a long time? Were they more confident in um, responding to public health messages? Today, are they more receptive to vaccination campaigns? There is so many uh, benefits that I can 
share also to you that actually because they have a better understanding how is the flow for the case management and more responsive in terms of the i mean like the prevention they they can get uh, how to do the early detection for this covid 19 because they already exercise have an exercise for other diseases and they coming also with through alert when COVID-19 first firstly happened in the in the villages and keep contact with the public health center to ensure that the community get better feedback from from the public health center even though they also bridging this communication they know what to do for like for example we have three or six key points to prevent COVID-19 but they already exercise that before like hand washing or social distancing or something that uh, using masks when you are facing uh, or have to uh, working closely with like a sick person and everything. So they are more familiar with how to isolate pers a sick person and how to taking care of their family member, for example, if there is any symptoms, they, they really working closely with community case definitions. So even though they cannot diagnose, but they can facilitate this into the health facilities just to ensure this is false or true alert so they can get the feedback from, from the closest uh, public health centre. Yeah, it's such an important point about those pre-existing relationships from a community to the health sector and just knowing who to talk to and when and the practice that comes from preparedness actually the community volunteers that join in the project are also now is joined in the community technical working group for for the COVID. so actually it's easier for us because in the in the headquarter levels we are working in the risk communications and community engagement uh, technical working groups so we we are we can get the first hand key messages uh, from the government and also for, uh, because it's this group is not only conscious of the government, but also many international and national NGO working on that. So we will share or disseminate the, the similar uh, key messages. It strikes me that in a way, it, Indonesia was better set up for the community engagement in the COVID pandemic, if I could contrast to some of the lessons Australia has learnt along the way about communication with a range of communities, both in Melbourne and Sydney in particular, over lockdowns um, and recent surges in cases. It, it took us a bit of time to treat this pandemic first with a people focus rather than a pathogen focus. Um, there's lots we could learn from the region. But, Robin, you've got the next question. Some of our listeners will be particularly interested in what um, Australian support for the project has um, achieved. The, the project was started with funding from the United States Agency for International Development. It was part of a, a pilot in several countries, including Indonesia. And when Australia's health security initiative uh, was launched, um, we selected uh, your project for additional Australian funding. Could you just say something about um, how that funding has been used to expand the scope of the project? So actually, it's really support us on the in in terms of preparedness because for the previous one we are working in in preparing the modalities, the guidelines, but not so much uh, working at the at the many 
populations or our community. So with this additional support, we are adding more villages and we are really strengthen their capacities on in terms of uh, understanding on the health literacy. I think the key points is about the CAP survey because it's important things that we have to do actually from the beginning. But since the guideline is not not, not finished yet, but with Australian support, uh, we can finish this because the we, we get more technical assistance on that. And the community-based surveillance, it's something that good also because we are in the process of developing this uh, community-based surveillance. So with this, uh, with, with support from the Australian government and also the Australian Red Cross, we strengthen our capacity on the community-based surveillance itself. And can I ask whether um, the pandemic preparedness project has been modified in in some ways um, as part of Indonesia's COVID response? For example, um, is it now incorporating health promotion messages about vaccination or monitoring for uh, COVID symptoms? We adjust all this COVID-19 response into the epidemic control for volunteer toolkits. We we do adjustment into the community case definitions in community key messages, community action, what types of first aid that they can do in the community. Uh, we do also uh, some adjustment in the first aid apps that that can use also by the community. So many protocols that we really fast adjusting during the COVID response. And um, before I pass back to Steph for the final question, um, I'm curious how the Red Cross works with um, the Indonesian government at district level or provincial level or the national level, um, for example, on surveillance. Is your work integrated um, with national surveillance systems? Yes, we have several communication with the government at the national level. We have a meeting with the with the ministry, not only Ministry of Health, but many governments coming also into that meetings. And uh, from the university, and we are uh, have an opportunity to present our community-based surveillance systems, just to ensure that uh, our systems are really connect with the existing uh, surveillance system um, run by by the governments. So Red Cross can play our roles to bridging this community, to strengthen the community capacities and to really strengthen the community awareness why they have to also play the roles into the uh, existing surveillance systems. This is our last question. So COVID-19 will be with us for a long time and there will be more outbreaks, epidemics and pandemics. Thinking about the community preparedness and response project that you're leading, where would you like to see that in five years? This experience actually very influenced our uh, way of thinking because preparedness is always better than response. Even though we already exercise many things during the preparedness and it will be very helpful for us during the response because you already prepared the guidelines, the, the tools, the flow, how to, to manage the case, uh, how to solve the problems. So many things that we also already have the modalities like uh, we adjust many protocols 
during this COVID response uh, for the first aid, for the ambulance, for the psychosocial support, uh, for the self-isolation, how to assist people uh, with their to ensure their mental health not only physically but also the mental health and how to do it with the social distancing for example uh, and this uh, something that uh, really important is about the community-based surveillance because uh, pandemic is coming from the community and it should be end at the community so community is really it should be in the front line. I mean, not not only the medical person. The medical person have to be at the end of the fighting. It's better that we put more investment at the community because they know what happens in their environments, in their families. So they can be a first responder before everything have to go to the health facilities. I mean, like, yeah. We have to protect our medical personnel also with the prevention and promoting health uh, behavior. With this investment of a community pandemic preparedness program and community-based surveillance, it's, we see there is a big demand from the, not only from the government, but also from the community. We have to deal with so many disasters during the pandemic situation. So it's like multi-hazard. So yeah with this actually this all the preparedness already already exists in our uh, strategic plan for at least five years as far as red cross is still there so we will still run to do community preparedness so i mentioned now we are in 2021 but this community uh, based programming already start in 1919 so now we are 20 or in that uh, 30 years later than that. I'm the one who picking up the estafets. <laughs> so I have to bring this also with somebody next to me in the future. I don't know who <laughs> who they are, but yeah, I, I will. And we will do this for next generations. Thank you for joining us on Contain This as we discuss the importance of community preparedness and response with Eka Wulan Chavasari from the Indonesian Red Cross. Join us in the next fortnight for the next episode of Contain This, brought to you by the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security.